This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Amanda Tice, it's so good to be not in the same room. Where are you? Where Where do you live? I, I live in the suburbs of Austin, so I live in Lakeway, Texas. Well, how cool is it that, like, you know, the internet brought us together, two people on a mission to, like, really break it down and make it easier for the mothers that come after us, don't you think? Like, I think it's amazing. I think social media is changing so quickly to compensate for how mothers really feel, which is really? amazing. Tell, tell me. I mean, well, I feel like, you know, when I wrote this book, which was five years ago, I just felt like- The new like mom code. Just wanted the to new mom the code. My book's yeah. called The New Mom Code, Shatter Expectations and Crush It at Motherhood. Mm. Um, I just felt like people weren't being very transparent about what motherhood was really like. And I feel like nowadays with the explosion of TikTok and Instagram reels, I mean, people are actually showing their real lives and, you know, they're being honest. At least there are a subset of, of moms who I feel like are being really honest about their experiences. And I think it's, you know, it's a movement in that direction. And I think it's a it's a positive movement. What, when you think of like honest moms, like what sort of bits of information do you think that was withheld from you and that you sort of wish you had known? Well, there are lots of things. Number one, no one tells you how hard it's going to be. I mean, I think at the beginning you have this expectation that it's going to be difficult, but you don't really know until the baby comes. And I think there is this, you know, overarching feeling of loneliness and people don't expect that you would feel loneliness because you have a baby, right? You're not alone. But you're not alone, right? But there is this really interesting phenomenon that happens, especially in the first year, of just how lonely I feel like motherhood can be. Because, you you know, you want to talk about all these things that are happening to you or happening to your baby, and unless you have a really good mom support group or people who are there all the time helping you out with the baby, there is so much time where you're just alone with the baby and it's someone who's not able to talk to you or communicate to you. And sure, they're absorbing everything that you're doing, yeah, but no there's pressure. a lot of quiet kind of I don't know, almost sad time. I feel like you get so much time to reflect in that in that first year because you're just go, go, go. So every time you have any moment to yourself, there is this, in a lot of ways, longing for what was. And I, you know, you change so much overnight. I mean, your, your life really changes overnight. Your life, your and body. I mean, your, your, I mean, yeah, the, for me, the matrix really opened up for me. I always say that, that like, whoa, oh, oh, this is what we've been doing all along. Oh, 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 that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, in my book, I also talk about matricense. Have you heard of matricense? Yes. There's actually, oh, I'm so excited. There's actually <laughs> a whole skincare line called matricense because okay. apparently your skin changes a lot in pregnancy and then after. And it's, yes. um, I would love for you to um, 
define it for us and, and walk us through what that is. I Tell mean, me I can't give you like the real definition, but yeah. in 1973, there was an anthropologist named Dana Raphael, and she kind of coined this term matricense. And what it is, is from the moment you get pregnant, all the way through the time that you have a child, you go through this process called matricense. And as a mother, that means that you're changing biologically, you're changing spiritually, you're changing emotionally. And she says it's equivalent to the developmental push of adolescence. Wow. So you are having a complete transformation in the fiber of your being that no one really talks about or acknowledges because the focus is usually so much on the baby that the mother gets so lost, I feel like, in those the, those first, I would say, even two years um, where you At just, least. You, you want, you know, you wonder what happened, you know, who who am I now? There's a, there's a lot of this that goes on. And Mattressense is really about explaining why this is happening to you because it, it's, you know, it's hormones, it's actual physical changes in your body that are happening. And, you know, your brain changes during pregnancy as well. The, the gray matter in your brain is changing. So it's no, it's no surprise that we feel the way that we feel, but it's important for women to know that, you know, this is all normal and these sorts of things need to be more normalized. I think that lonely feeling is this feeling that I'm not normal. Like I have a friend who had a baby four months ago and she she called me up and said like I think I'm going through postpartum anxiety and like you know she tried to talk to her best friend who loves her I mean these these women are soulmates you know and her friend just isn't you know isn't a mom yet and um really tried to soothe her and like pointed her toward like look at Amy Schumer like she's done such amazing work in this time like really rooted her on and she just didn't feel seen you know she just didn't feel like like something is happening something happened to me and you know often they say that trauma is like when you're just not the same as you were when you're not the same as you were before the event happened that it can be a traumatizing experience not that it's a bad experience not that motherhood is bad but that you are just not the same and she she you know was expressing to her best friend like no I I just I, I, I I'm not the same like the my my longings are not the same and my brain the fog man the fog is not the same and but the deadlines are the same and like the rest <laughs> of the world is like the same and and they are they are looking to me like you know and I set myself up you know she was just talking about how she set herself up for work to to provide for her family right um, and to make a name for herself and to continue on in this thing that she has cultivated that she loved her career right right um but she wasn't able to just be there with it and i i think calling me was just such a beautiful act of her saying like i know i'm not alone like there's a whisper in my mind that like i'm not alone i i i can reach out to someone who can just reflect back to me that like this is actually normal this is right. par for the course you know i for 100 percent, and i think that's that is a very difficult position to be in i feel like when you are maybe one of the first of your friends to get pregnant and have a baby because you just cannot understand 
until you have a baby. I, you know, I wish that there was some way to magically give that information, you know, pre baby so that you might have an idea, but you just can't prepare for it. It, it, it really does change you to the core of who you are. And, you know, I think it's so important if you can do it to try to make friends while you're pregnant. So for me, I went to prenatal yoga and I'd never done yoga a day in my yes. life. <laughs> I had no clue. I showed up with shoes on and, and like didn't have the right mat. Like I was totally clueless about yoga. Um, but you I went there to socialize? Maybe, say that again. <laughs> you, went, you went there to make friends? I was like, well, I I know that I'm supposed to be doing this to make it better for my baby or healthier. And what I found was that getting to know other women who were at the same stage in their pregnancy and then would have children in the same stage when they were born was so powerful and so useful, especially when it came to that whole feeling alone stage. Because, you know, my best, you know, I would say she's my best friend now. We met in prenatal yoga class. Wow. And um, our babies were born two weeks apart. And because of that, you know, it was every little thing like, do you know if this is diaper rash? Like, you know, it's all those little questions that you have at three o'clock in the morning that you feel like you want validation or you want to have someone, like you said, to reflect back to you that this is normal and this is okay. And, you know, I'm going through the exact same thing or my baby's doing this too. And, you know, I always, so I always try to advocate to pregnant moms, like it's worth putting in the time and effort to try to meet at least one other mother who is in the pregnancy journey with you. Yeah. So that when you have that baby, you have someone who, can really help you get through those first couple months because they're they're brutal. They're brutal. I mean, I, I mean, just not sleeping alone is just fucking. Sucks. I know. It just it, it, it's it, people are always like sleep before the baby comes, but there is no amount of sleep that you could do to prepare you for the sleep deprivation that follows. How old is George now? So George just recently turned five. Oh, just like so Ness. What's his birthday? Uh, he's December 30th. Nice. Ness was born March 4th. So they're both like just around the same age. Yeah, I I, I think at, at like five years postpartum, who are you? I feel like a totally different person than I was five years ago, for sure. So do I. I mean, I think that there's so much that you have to figure out about yourself and the new person that you've become. And there are certain things you have to accept. And for me, it, it took me a full five years. It's only now that I really feel like I'm emerging as a stronger, better, more clear Mentor. mother, but also, you know, person, like as a woman, you know? Yeah. Well, you're a mentor so, now for other mothers, right? Yeah, I mean, I do my best as much as I can. So I'm just kind of getting into the whole coaching other moms. Oh, but nice. for the most part, you know, this, the book was really driven by wanting mothers to not feel alone in their journey and talking about the things that they were afraid to talk about with their friends or nervous yeah. to talk about, you know? 
it's it it kind of one of was the one of those things where it was like I would have liked to have this book, you know, when yes. when I was going through all of this. So how would I write this? And I wanted to not only share my experiences, but give moms kind of actionable things and exercises that they could do to help whatever part of the process they're going through. Because things mm-hmm. are always easier, you know, said and read than done. So I felt like I needed to give moms actionable things they could do to help them reclaim themselves and find themselves again. So one of the things that we haven't actually really dug deep in yet about is postpartum sex. And it really is one of those taboo items. Um, For sure. Let me tell you, there are so many taboo (laughs) items. I know. (laughs) Can we just stop? Can we just stop? Um, And we're like, we're chipping away at them one at a time. And I'm just like, wanting to hand you the mic and hear what you have to say to a mother who's like, how am I supposed to get this going again? Like, how how do you feel sexy again? How do you feel, you know, like this is an in-hole when it was an out-hole for like <laughs> a six-pound baby, <laughs> you know? Like, what does what does that look like? I mean, I think, okay, when it comes to postpartum body, I think you know, and sex and, and related to that, you have to remember that your body is never going to be the same. I think there is this misconception about, oh, you know, I want my body to bounce back or I'm going right. to, you know, excessively exercise to make myself look the way I did before I had the baby. And I just think that's such a damaging message to to tell yourself. And I think a lot of women do. They say, I want to be, you know, what I was before. And that's just I mean, totally but, unrealistic. And <laughs> you know? you're a model. Like you, said, you just pushed out, you, you, you just pushed out a baby. It's, it's impossible that you are going to have the same body that you had before. You may like, as get a in model, better shape over time. Right, right. Right. That's also true. I've seen that happen before. Yeah. But it does but take time. It's not going to be the same body. And that's totally fine. I So what I did is I, card, I started calling all my little stretch marks and skin tags because I have many of them now mm. uh, postpartum. I was like, these are all my mom gems. These are like my mom jewelry. And I, you know, I make a point when I try to, you know, when I criticize myself about this stuff that these are all just beautiful signs that I've had a child. Like these are all physical representations of what, I've been through. And so, you know, I think it's important to realize that all these ways that your body has changed are actually beautiful. You know, they were able to give life. And when it comes to, you know, when it comes to sex, I think part of it is, and I say this as well in my book, is one of the first exercises I try to have moms do is take a risk in terms of their appearance. So what I mean by that is like, maybe that you've been like, I cannot wear red lipstick. Like I would never wear red lipstick, but I've always wanted to wear red lipstick. Or it's like, I've always wanted to try that trendy, um, you know, like cut off jeans or whatever it is that like from a physical standpoint that you're like, oh, I could never go blonde. And I feel like becoming a mother actually gives you this opportunity to change that, to Mm. make yourself into whoever you didn't think maybe you could be before and just play with it because it's kind of fun. 
you know, I went way more blonde after I had George and I chopped my hair off, you know, to my shoulder. And I think it's, it's kind of a time where you do get to explore how you feel in your body and doing different things to make yourself feel sexy again. But um, when it comes, you know, to the actual postpartum sex, I think most mothers are really freaked out when they go to that six week appointment and, you know, the doctor says, okay, you've got the green light to have sex again. And, you know, I, I talk about that a lot in my book and that's kind of a story I share for me because I just feel like at six weeks, you're, most women I think are just too exhausted and stressed out to want to have sex. Yeah. And people always forget too. like the one thing they're like, what's wrong with me? Like, why do I not? want to have sex with my partner. And there are two things that people often don't know, which is your oxytocin levels go up postpartum. And when your oxytocin levels go up, that means you're bonding with your baby. It's called the bonding hormone, but it also suppresses your libido. Mm. So people don't realize that when oxytocin goes up, your libido goes down. And the other thing is a lot of mothers, because they're so stressed out at the beginning, your cortisol levels go up as well in your brain because you're in kind of fight or flight mode and you're, you know, stressed out and learning new responsibilities and whatnot. And again, that also has an effect on your libido. So there are actual, you know, chemical biological things that are happening in your brain that are basically saying, no, at least for a while, we don't want to have sex because your body doesn't want you to get pregnant again before you're ready to have another child. Mm-hmm. But then what happens? How do you push through that? I mean, if you are in relationship, if you are in relationship and you want that closeness and how do you push through and or or, or do you just wait? Is that is that your 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 message I don't is to say wait. no I wouldn't say wait I think what the reality is or what I think that uh is important is that you find new ways to connect with your partner so I think people get very fixated on you know intercourse and you know orgasms and that's not necessarily how you have to focus at the beginning it may be that Instead, you want to have like a sensual massage or you take a shower together or ways to actually physically connect without it being so focused on, you know, like I said, orgasm, because it's going to take or a penetrative while, you know, orgasm at the very least. What? Say that again. I, I was just saying or penetrative orgasm. Right. Yes, like, exactly. I, yeah, right. Exactly. So if it's like topical or, or clitoral, I think that that, that, that might or, or, or self-induced, that might feel a little bit safer or more sort of more accessible. But penetrative orgasm is like, after, as I said, after you like after it was an outhole, sometimes it takes <laughs> it takes a second to remind yourself that it's been in, you know, it's it's been an in-hole before, too, you know, like. Right. And I think, I think it's different to, at least for me, I'm only speaking from my personal experience, you know, sex, the idea of sex is very different after you have a baby, because I feel like 
before you have a baby, you're kind of like, oh, it's lusty. It's about passion. It's, you know, it's a different experience. And then once you have a baby, you're like, oh, that leads to what I have in the next room. <laughs> and that is not something I want right now or very soon. So for me, I was very kind of surprised by how I was just not interested, at least in the first two, three months at all. I was like, yeah. oh my God, the idea of having another child and doing something that might accidentally produce another child seemed terrifying to me. Yeah, rightfully so. I mean, it would be terrifying. Can, yeah. There are, well, there and are, it happens. That's the thing. It does oh happen. It happens all the time. All the time. People, people are like, oh, I have Irish twins. They're like a year apart. And you do the math and you're like, wow, that's a lot of love. <laughs> it's a lot of lady. Good for them. <laughs> truly, uh, truly good for them. I think, yeah. uh, you know, I think, as you said, it is like such a personal experience and they, it, it could be hot and heavy. Absolutely. And I like want to applaud anyone who's hot and heavy. Like, fuck yeah. That is yeah. so good and healthy. And also, if if you're not there, also good. But I wanted to um, uh, rewind a little bit and um, talk about like body image and I, I thought that was an interesting moment that both of us sort of linked the two, the body image um, and self-esteem and confidence in our body was sort of wrapped up in sex, which doesn't need to necessarily be together. You know, right. I think like it, 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 there is a world where who the fuck cares what I look like? You know, like this is, right, a, right. this is about a re the relational field and, and the, 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 the bliss that's accessible to us when we're together. It has nothing to do with what, what my thighs, you know, how big or small they are, you know? Right, right. Although we live in a culture where we have unfortunately coupled the two and both of us did this, did that in this conversation. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we just made that happen. But hey, it's, it's the reality. But as, for you as a model, your body is your body of work. So how yes. did you come how did you come back to work knowing full well like you know I don't look exactly like my headshot was that the case for you at least So it was very interesting because I definitely went up you know two three sizes right away when I was working so the first job I did postpartum was about 16 weeks afterwards mm. and I was still breastfeeding and before that I'd been like a 10 12 and I was a solid 14 and I had a casting and ended up booking a job to do a television segment on Access Hollywood with Heidi Klum in a bikini. Nice. So Casual. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is my worst nightmare to some degree because I'm like, okay, well, you know, I just had a baby and now I'm going to be showing my postpartum body uh, on national television. Wow. Uh, but at the same time, I was like, this is what it is. Like there is no... There's no real going back from there. I'm like, if obviously my body looked good enough that they wanted to book me for this job. So I had to kind of go back through my, you know, there's always going to be a push pull between 
as a model what someone else thinks of you and what you think of yourself. Mm. And I think it's very hard for a lot of models not to absorb so much of the rejection because, you know, for every one job you book, there are a hundred that you don't or more, a thousand that you don't book. So, you know, over the years since I've been doing this for so long, I've just kind of come to this realization that it, take it or leave it. Either you like what I have to offer or you don't. And the only person whose opinion that really matters is my own. And I kind of I, I kind of went into that when I started modeling again after having George because I actually had more confidence in knowing that I'm gonna be a mom now. That's I'm gonna have, you know, certain schedule conflicts that I didn't have before. I, my body's going to be, look a little different. I mean, even when I was doing that Heidi Klum job, I was, I was breastfeeding. So my breasts were changing sizes, you know, as I was on set, right? Like there are certain things that are just going to be what they are. And instead of fighting them, which is what I feel like a lot of women do, they want to fight this whole body image of like, well, this is how I see myself and this is how I should look postpartum. And, you know, this is, I want to get back to this. I think it's just so much healthier if you can say, look at all the amazing things I've done. Look at, you know, how I'm nurturing my child and the things I'm learning and how much my brain is growing by having new responsibilities and becoming a parent. So it doesn't always have to be about the physical side of things. And unfortunately, you know, with social media, there is very rarely a picture that's not photoshopped or filtered that we see every day. And so we're living in this world that is really not real. Everything that we see is an altered, altered version of reality. Yeah. So I think when you talk about like, when we talk about the reality of being a woman on this planet, particularly in the United States, like we are being fed this idea that our change is somehow a bad thing, that our evolution, that we should stay the same, that we should, that we should like work toward the same size we were in high school, as if that's even possible, that like, right. we should bounce back, that, that moving backwards is at all aspirational. But we genuinely are being fed this by not, I mean, I would say like the patriarchy, but you know, it's so like, <laughs> it's like so ingrained in us that we're we're actually doing it to ourselves. So when we say like, it would be healthier for us to look at things a certain way. Yeah, but we would have to step out of this bizarro reality that we're genuinely living in, which is people telling us all the time that like, if you change something's wrong with you, you've lost something when you've gained right. a whole new sense of self, a person who you deeply deeply love and care for the narrative is really wonky you know so there's like good reason why it's wild so you know if we want to be accepted and loved i mean this is like the animal instinct we want to be part of the community the tribe we want to survive so like if 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 we're looking if we're scanning the room and they're trying to find me as i was before and i know for real like i ain't that it's not here (laughs) right it's scary It is scary. And the one thing I try to tell women as much as possible is that we, from the time we're very little, we are told by socially and culturally that 
we're not good enough. And if we weren't told that narrative, marketers would not have anything to sell. Because if we were taught like, you know, you're beautiful just the way you are, or, you know, you don't have to fix this, or you don't need to eat that, or you don't need to, you know, do this exercise or whatever it is, marketers wouldn't have anything to sell. So it, it takes you having to actually step back and realize how much brainwashing is constantly going on from the time we're young kind of say, hey, let's change the narrative here. I'm good enough just the way I am. I don't need to have whatever product you're peddling. I, you know, I am happy with what I have now and I don't need you to make me feel like I'm not. Says so, the two people who work in advertising all the time. Like here I am yeah, in I my know. voiceover booth, right? Where I, <laughs> I gladly work in commercials. You know, you're, you're a model, we sell things. Yeah. Like I'm gonna tell you straight up guys, straight up <laughs> you probably don't need this if it would if if it would give you joy and make your life easier better yummier sexier please go buy it for yourself and enjoy whatever you know whatever it gives you but as you said like marketers have a job for a reason and what they're targeting is your insecurity m right. most of the time yeah. i have a, a mentor <clears throat> who says as a practice Every time you pass yourself, um, you know, in a mirror, in a window, on Zoom, on this recording that we're doing right now, when you look at yourself, you got to say, fuck, I'm beautiful. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Like, look at my smile, right? Like, I see Amanda's smile <laughs> and I can, I can see it. It's a gorgeous smile. What if I reflected that back to myself as a practice, as a diligence? You know, I like the same way we were talking about, like people show up to the mat in yoga. Do you still take yoga yeah. or is it just, you do? Yes, yes. You do, oh no, nice. I, I, I showed up with the shoes. <laughs> right, so like if you, if you, you know, practice yoga or meditation or what or anything any diligence this is a practice to look at yourself and say wow my haircut these bangs damn good because yeah. the brainwashing has been since we were born up until now yeah and I, you know, like I said, I do think the one thing that's positive, though, is there are there are a lot more influencers out there now who are really trying to produce unfiltered content. And I think that's great. It's hard for us because our job, like you said, is to sell products. And so when a brand comes to our Instagram page or looks at us from the outside, we have to fit into their brand. Mm. So it's, it's hard. There's always a balance, but I do my best to try to be as transparent as possible when it comes to being like, Hey, look, I just did this job. You know, I was in Portugal last month and it looks extremely glamorous, but let me tell you, I was jamming my feet into shoes that were too small. Right. I was on my feet for 11 hours. You right. know, I had to get up at, at, at 6 a.m. and I was wearing winter coats and it was 90 degrees outside <laughs> and I was sweating my butt off, right? Like, you know, it's important, I feel like, if you are putting out certain imagery that you are, are telling the whole story so that at least people can see or hear or understand like 
oh, this is not just this, it's also this. And there are pluses and minuses to both of these things. And the more, like you said, that you can advocate for loving yourself and believing in yourself and giving yourself what you need to be your best self is all, it's all important. I think it's all extremely important. I really think that like becoming an adult um, really requires at least me to get out of this binary thinking, this black and white thinking, this good and bad thinking, you know, like even the wearing, even the wearing shoes that are too tight and the, the coat that's too hot on a 90 degree day. Like there is joy in that. There is that it, it, it feels good to work. It feels good yeah, to be, <laughs> you know, on a trip. And the, and, and the idea it, it is, it is a real dance to, to, to um, massage that nuance, which is why, you know, like, which is why advertisers haven't done it. It's not, it's probably not because they don't want to, it's not that they don't right. they want to lie to the people. It's just harder to convey, you know, that like yeah, things true. are not just one way that like the work it takes to be a model at a, a top tier model who gets to go to Portugal means it's right. work. It's hard work and it's uncomfortable. And it makes me proud of myself on the other end of things. Yeah, Similar to motherhood. True. Yep. Very true. It's very true. I agree. So what are the other topics that um, that you're super passionate about that you cover in your book that you want to share with our mom curious folks? Something so, that... Yeah, I mean, that the you, thing that, that I feel told. the most passionate, the most passionate about, I would say, is I love the idea of helping moms find reclaiming themselves postpartum because I think that when you become a mother you gain all of these new skill sets that you may have not known that you had before and I feel like it actually makes you a more dynamic person sometimes to become a mom and so you know in my book I have a chapter that's probably my favorite chapter Tell me. and it's called <laughs> it's my favorite chapter and it's called it's time to have an affair mm-hmm. and people always laugh when I they're like huh and you know what an affair is is it's an intense love and liking for something and I feel like moms push themselves so much to the side after they have a baby that they have to remember they need to have an affair with themselves you know they need to get back to a place where They can feel like an individual as well as a mom. So, you know, in that chapter, I really talk about number one, like how to uh, play again, you know, with old child, with your old childhood dreams and then looking for new dreams and then redefining yourself. And I think that's just so important for a mom. I think I think there needs to be a way to help mothers reach whatever potential that they want to reach. And that that's what I honestly feel the most passionate about. How did you get all of this information? What was the download for you? How, what was the process to writing a sort of mentor-like book and... and uh, What was that? You know, I'd always wanted to write a book. That was the thing that was kind of funny was that for me, 
my passion that I talk about and having an affair, my affair was actually writing. So it was two, three o'clock in the morning that I was on my iPhone typing stories and (gasps) thinking about ways that I could, you know, help other moms or things that I've done that I've felt really worked that I wanted to share with other mothers. And so that's, you know, most of my book was written on iPhone notes, to be honest. Really? Yeah, yeah. My husband laughed because when I got my publishing deal, that was the first time he bought me a laptop, which I didn't have. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, you know, I guess this, you know, I, this is a real thing. This, you know, it almost feels like an affair, though, right? Two o'clock in the morning. It's like, oh, my brain is buzzing and I have all these exciting ideas and I'm like secretly texting on my phone, right? But it's me writing stories and it's it's <gasps> having the you know, this kind of love affair with myself from a writing standpoint. I love that. I love that. And were you guided by like a mentor or a therapist or a coach while you were finding your new self and finding your new love of yourself? Or was it just you and your higher? No, (gasps) it was, you know, this is, I, I guess I've always been a very introspective person in general. And I just felt like this book was inside of me in some ways. And I just, I felt the real need to share it. And I felt like, hey, if I can even write this and send this PDF to another new mom friend of mine and it helps them, then it would have all been worth it. Because I didn't have any expectations of publishing this book anyway. Like this was not, I didn't write it to to be like, oh, I want to get a publishing you know, publishing deal and be an author. And that was not really my motivation. I I really, I really wrote it solely to help other moms through this tumultuous stage. Wow. And the new mom code achieved number one new release on Amazon Kindle in parents health and nutrition. So like, yes, how cool is that? It was very exciting. I was I was very surprised. Um, But I, I love that there are so many people that are actually seeking this sort of information. And I think it's really good from a mental health perspective that women are realizing that they're not alone and they need to be acknowledged and that certain taboo topics are totally normal. You know, like it's just totally normal. And And I love the fact that this book has the ability to hopefully make them feel that way. Yeah, me too. Amanda, where can we find you for more of your parenting journey, your modeling journey, your writing? Um, I'm sure people want to hear where they can get the book. Tell us. So you can definitely find me on Instagram at Amanda Tice. You can also go to my website, which is just Amanda Tice, T-I-C-E dot com. And in terms of my book, it's currently selling on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and anywhere where books are sold. The new mom code. Amazing. The new mom code. Shatter expectations and crush it at motherhood. Amanda, thank you so much. So, so, Thank so you much. so much. It was lovely chatting with you. I'm never going to get the, um, the picture of you... <laughs> Um, near Heidi Klum with your boobs going like bigger and smaller and bigger and smaller out of my head. (laughs) (laughs) 
16 weeks oh, postpartum oh, is like model, five right? seconds. Oh my God, it's so good. It's such a good story. <laughs> and I'm so glad you wrote it in the wee hours of the night. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 